Hey, thank you to Helix for sponsoring this podcast. Adam has had his Helix mattress for almost a year now, and he's loving it. It's it's actually hard to get him up. In fact, he won't stop talking about it. You'll understand what we mean when he goes into detail. Thank you for the detail, Adam, later on the episode. But for now, we want to tell our listeners about a special deal going on. Our Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and... As if that's not enough, two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet, and I'll bet it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. <sighs> hey, you nobodies. It's just me, Paula Poundstone. The others aren't on yet. And so uh, I just wanted to share this with you. I have a surprise for them because everybody's working so hard to try to get like the audio right. And we're recording from our homes and uh, Bonnie Burns records from like underneath her car or something. She's got oil dripping on her face. So I just wanted to do something uh, fun for everybody. And so uh, I have a surprise hundredth caller call-in person uh, tonight and it's Tom Hanks. And only me and the recording engineer and you nobodies know about it. So uh, uh, so listen up to hear my co-workers be surprised. Coming to you live from our houses in Los Angeles, California, it's Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, your comedy field guide to life. Tonight, curtain up. Light the lights. We've got nothing to hit but the heights. There's a Broadway orchestra conductor on the phone. Could Paula have a future wielding a baton in the pit of the Schubert Theater? Internationally recognized conductor and music director Rob Fisher is here to see if Paula can bring the sound of music to life. Plus, Quarantine Corner. Need some help homeschooling your first grader? Everyone on the show has graduated from first grade, more or less, and we're ready to share our knowledge. Pull up your small chair and get ready to learn. I'm Adam Felber, the show's conversational conductor, trying hard to keep our topical score in tune. And now, please welcome the woman who always introduces a glockenspiel solo into the orchestra pit of this show's discussions, Paula Poundstone! Well, thank you so much. I would say it's nice to be here, but I was already here. That's right, we're still uh, recording from quarantine. Um, how's your quarantine going? It's not Paula? Wait, quarantine. No. It's not quarantine. It's a stay-at-home order. You're quarantined if yes. you have the virus, and then you're quarantined. But stay at home, that's different. Uh, so I'm you. not quarantined. I don't have the virus, and I'm just fine. Well, if one of the virus's symptoms is stickling, you might want to get yourself tested. <laughs> <laughs> Did I tell you that I got... Uh, with great effort, I got a thermometer, and it it keeps saying that I'm 94. Yeah, I don't think that's a good thermometer. But before we go into a discussion of your therm- thermometer, I want to welcome tonight's yes. house band, violinist Kristen Lejeune from Hebron, Illinois. Yes, yes thank you, Kristen. Kristen is a proud nobody, and she answered the call to be one of our remote house bands, and and that's her on the fiddle. That is so cool. Uh, thank you very much, Kristen. That's fantastic. Thank you. Now, Paula, you were um, telling me about your thermometer. 
Well, no, it's just that it keeps saying I'm 94. But, you know, the truth is I'm always cold. So maybe I am 94. Maybe that is my regular, uh, you know. That's really doubtful. Or maybe that, maybe that's my uh, stay-at-home temperature. You know, you know Again, how people say the world. super doubtful. Okay, but you know how people keep saying the world keeps changing. Okay, here's a way. Remember, Adam, remember back now on television in the 70s, the screen would go wiggly right now. Remember back about three or four weeks ago, um, I used to be Yeah, exactly. I used to be trying to get my black belt in Taekwondo. Oh, back when people could take classes with other people, yes. Yeah, exactly. Well, okay, that's, you know, that's gone out the window. I was all the way up to my peppermint belt, uh, right. which is Which I still right. question the existence of. No, you you can see the black belt from the peppermint belt. It, well, I was really right on the edge. And, uh, and then, of course, this awful thing happened. Um, so I've been working out with uh, those video workouts where you put it on your computer and you work out along with and there's some woman i don't even know her name she wears a sports bra you can see her stomach the the person who's leading the workout and she has a stomach that's like a cutting board like you could chop vegetables on that stuff and i keep trying to figure out because you you know i've been working out for years so what's so different from me you know what i mean what is it and here's one thing everything she does is so perfect she has no cats around her feet. I noticed right. that. Like, I have a really elderly cat who won't get out of the way. Right. That's part of it. So today I was doing, like, crunches or something, right? And I'm laying sure. on my back, and my dog, Mo dropped a giant bone on my head. Okay. Like, like the kind... The kind that the Flintstones would give to their dog. I mean, like, a giant bone. Like a giant... And yeah, like a brontosaurus bone. Yeah, so if at any point during tonight's show I start to seem like I don't know what I'm doing or I seem confused. How is that going to be different? Please call the first responders because it's a concussion. I'm calling right now. Paula, honestly, I don't know how I would be able to tell if you ever got a concussion. I just, I just, uh, unless your pupils are are demonstrably different sizes, I think all of your concussions are going to go right onto the radar. (laughs) No, no, no. I got to tell you, that really got, that really hurt. Uh, It was a big bone and it just hit my, it it hit the bone that was already in my head at Uh just the wrong angle. Um, because Ow. I do, I have a bone. I have a bone in my head. Um, we all do. Uh, hey, I want to. I want to remind uh, listeners that we still have the hundredth caller contest going on. Oh this no, so I got an email important. about that one. That was canceled. No, no, fact, you didn't get the email. I, uh, no, I got a, the, I got an email from uh, from uh, Tony Anita Hull and uh, the the good people over at at Starburns. Apparently, the contest is over. Adam Velma, that is not true. That is a oh oh what is it? What is it? It's a What's calumny. A calumny. It's a damnable that calumny. That is right, uh, Adam Felba. Uh, <laughs> Thank the, you. Tony Anita Hall would never do such a thing. She's a wonderful girl. We almost lost her on that cruise. She's a wonderful. She's been keel hauled and uh, sitting on the top of an iceberg. Do not torment her so. Uh, no, we do have the 100th caller contest. 
Uh, anybody who wants can uh, call in, and the 100th caller wins uh, any appliance that they want from Roger Federer's uh, appliance store across Alleged. the street yeah. on Miranda mm -hmm. Street, and also sure. uh, wins uh, hanging out with Adam after the game, uh, which right. is a lot or, of what's... yeah. You know, and I put those in that order purposely because I want the prizes to build. Uh, so first That's, you get an appliance and then you hang out with Adam Felber after the game, which is so It's going to be popular. very interesting to see how that uh, pans out. You know, Paula, there's a thing I've been trying to get to for about 20 minutes now, which is uh, let's that? say hello to the rest of the gang here on the podcast. Oh, I'm so sorry. Of That's course. okay. She's so rude. That's the thing about Paula Pouncer. She's got no manners whatsoever. <laughs> I suppose that's... I don't, I don't know, Mrs. Culpepper. I, I think you being cooped up with uh, Paula Poundstone in her house might have changed your feelings oh, about her a little bit. I, I don't tell it. Don't tell her I said this, but I am so sick of her. Oh, really? Well, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, what is it exactly that she's doing that's driving you crazy? Oh, just everything. Just okay. always looking for Oreos. Always cursing that she has no Oreos. Uh, eating her <laughs> spinach all noisy. Uh, she's just annoying. And she practically threw her head into that bone. All right. Yes, uh, I, I suspected that as well. But let's uh, take a moment, Mrs. Culpepper, and, and uh, introduce uh, the aforementioned producer, Tony Nita Hall. Where are you phoning in from today, Tony? Uh, beautiful Sherman Oaks at my desk. Looking out the window. You're it's at, a beautiful sunny day. You're at your desk. I'm at my desk. All right. <laughs> and then, of course, we also have with us tonight my manager and co-producer, uh, Bonnie, Captain Crinkle Burns. Yes, Bonnie, are you uh, calling from your overly expensive lawn furniture? <laughs> Welcome, Captain Crinkle. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm not out on the expensive pillows. I'm actually upstairs in my bedroom. Mm. Oh. All right. Upstairs. I'm being succinct. That was succinct. I, <laughs> I left this long pause there hoping to hear the rest of the story. Yeah. Wow, Bonnie, uh you're showing an amazing amount of forbearance. You 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 just stop talking <laughs> at the end of a sentence. Crackle and popper and they're great. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're doing fine here. Paula, do you have a word for us this week? Adam, I do have a word. I'm so glad you asked. Um, uh, the word this week, Adam, is a word that I've often heard misused. Uh, 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 it's The word is nonplussed. It's oh, an yes. adjective that means surprised and confused and not knowing how to react. But a lot of people think it means unmoved or unaffected. Uh, yes. It doesn't. It, it means surprised and confused and not knowing how to react. Here, I'll use it correctly in a sentence. Okay. I put my cat on my treadmill and she just sat nonplussed until it threw her off. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, yes. Are you she sure was she confused? was nonplussed or was she just um, she, uninterested? No, she was surprised and confused and not knowing how to react. She was nonplussed. In fact, later she said to me, oh, my God, I I, I, I was nonplussed when I was on that treadmill. Oh, um, well, then, then now, clearly she was. Um, that's now, how I know I for have, sure. I have often misread that word. I feel like it doesn't sound like what it is. It really does feel no. like it should be more, you know, just bored. 
or uninterested, but instead it means essentially confounded. Yeah, I actually prefer the misuse of it. I, yeah. I agree, but you know, as being a stickler, um, as you know, Adam, each week I add uh, the week's word to a vocabulary song that frankly, there's no other way of saying it, is just sweeping the nation. There are other ways um, of saying that. No, that's it. It is sweeping the nation. So <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, here's what I got this week. Ready? Ready for the vocabulary um, song. Uh, Paula, I'm always ready for the vocabulary song to oh, end. People love it. People love it. Okay. This week's, wait, I sometimes have a hard time getting the note. I'll be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, I don't think that's the note. This week's, oh, that isn't the note. That's why. That's not right. the note. This, there it is. This week's word is nonplussed. This week's word is nonplussed. Oh, what's the matter with me? This this week's word is nonplussed. It's an adjective that means surprised and confused and not knowing how to react. Might describe me if Trump said a fact. Last week's <laughs> word was guitar. It's a noun that means excessive mucus in the throat or nose. You can hear it in every one of my shows. The week before that, the word was cataplexy. It's a noun that means medical condition in which strong emotion or laughter causes a person to experience sudden weakness in the muscles. Ha, 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 I can't budge. Going back before that, we had lacuna. It's a noun that means gap or... And not long ago, the word was tautology. It's a noun that means saying the same thing over again in different words. Considered a fault of style. See you soon in a little while. Let's never forget free. It's a noun that means confused jumbler medley of things. Hodgepodge. Who's podge? Hodgepodge. Adam doesn't think my song is wrecked. Replicable, replicable, replicable. But I do, I do, I do, I do. Bravo! <laughs> well, uh, great. I, ah, uh, yeah. I made, you know. Uh, wait, there's, there's more. Okay. All right. <laughs> Okay, uh, Paula. Um, I, I enjoyed that in that I got, had the time to make a sandwich. <laughs> uh, Adam, answer the phone. What the? Uh, uh, all right. <laughs> Wait a minute. Adam, answer the phone. For God's uh, uh, sakes, answer the phone. Hello? Hi, yes. Am I the 100th caller? Uh, uh, no. No, you're No, you're not. <laughs> Um, you're caller number 58, I believe. Um, I will call back in just a few minutes. I'm going to try again. <laughs> right to the phone. Hold on. I'm going to try again. Click. Okay. Okay. Hello? Oh, I'm the 100th caller. Uh, no. Uh, who, no, you're, you're caller number 59, I think. Um, who is this? <laughs> Look. Never mind who it is. I'm not going to tell you until I'm the 100th caller. But that's a, that's several phone calls away. This is makes very little sense at all to me. And you're you're a unique sounding caller. I'll say that. And welcome aboard the show. Um, Am I the 100th caller? No, you're still the 59th caller. All right, I'm because... hanging up till I'm 100. Click. Adam, answer the phone. Uh, he's just saying, click, Paula. 
No, he's hanging up. Answer the phone. Um, hello? Hello, am I the 100th caller? <laughs> well, no, of course not. You're the 60th caller now. And I don't, I'm not even sure it counts. Click. Yeah, no, if they hang up and call again, absolutely it counts. All right, well, how about if I don't pick up for a while then, Paula? Adam, answer the phone! God damn it! Um, hello? Hi, am I the one who's the caller? You're the 61st caller! Click. <laughs> that, was, that was a very interesting intonation on the click. Wait, now he's making ringing sounds. Yeah, Adam, answer the phone! <laughs> sounds like a sleeping asthmatic cat. Um... Hello? It's not. Hi, am I the one hundredth caller? No, you're the sixty-first <laughs> caller. On, I mean, I do appreciate that this is eating up some of the calls for this godforsaken contest. But, <laughs> but please tell it's me a, who this is. Click. Ow! For <laughs> crying out loud! I think it's a pr it's a prank caller. Yeah. <laughs> Are you hearing this? Yeah, go ahead. Hi, am I the one hundredth caller? I didn't even pick up. <laughs> Wait for it. Hello? Hello, hi. Am I the 100th caller? <laughs> no, you're the 60. <laughs> caller number 60. Katoni, is that 61 is or 62 right here? anybody else listening to this podcast? Was, I don't, not anymore. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we have a lot of listeners. <laughs> Tony, what was that? Was that 62 or 61? I'm losing count. Oh, my God. Paula, what is happening here? Uh, well... We've just God uh, answered. <laughs> Hello. Answer, answer. Hi, am I the one hundredth caller? Um, let me check. Uh, for for the records, we need your name. I'm sending it to you over my Touchstone phone. God damn it! <laughs> All right, you're you're in fact the third feel caller. I have a feeling that this is someone that I have bumped into at Roger Federer's appliance store any number of times. Yeah, I, I really need to get this, <laughs> get on the phone here because Dame Maggie Smith has just dropped me off. She's looking for a parking space. Can't find one. I'm going around and around the block. I don't have a lot of time here. You know, you sound super familiar to me. Adam, this is your old pal Tom Hanks calling. I knew it. <laughs> I figured. Right. When I say I knew it, I've known it for. To become yes. the one hundredth caller because I believe I solved the puzzle. It's behind the eight ball. That's the solution to the puzzle. I, I can't believe it, but that's correct. All right. What do I win from the appliance? <laughs> I think. I think you win a Betamax. Ooh. No, <laughs> no, you, you win anything you want, Tom. From the anything you want from the appliance store. I would like store. to have a salad shooter, please. A salad <laughs> shooter. It, it just shoots out bits and pieces of cucumbers, tomatoes, carrots, onions, turnips, even lettuce. Seems like you're naming a lot of vegetables. Yeah, <laughs> this, this is this is how the salad shooter what a works. Stocking stuffer. Yeah, it sure is. <laughs> yeah, they're they're really well, a it can... beloved appliance. You know, I uh, I heard a few minutes. I was uh, I was hanging on uh, to the phone, listening. And uh, is the name of this podcast the Chaos Hour? It should be. <laughs> <All sorts> of... <laughs>
Where are you calling from, Tom? I'm calling from my home in Los Angeles. Oh, so you're back here. I know that you were spending some time down under recently. I was in Australia, uh, about to start work, but then everything... Uh, I don't know if you've heard about this thing called the coronavirus, but... Uh, no! I'm going to put the kibosh on a lot. Yeah, and, and, and you're, you're a coronavirus graduate, aren't you? I am. Yes, yes. I, you know, is that, a, is that a thing you want to claim in this world? I don't... Yeah. <laughs> you know, we've had meetings about it down at the, uh, the, the down at the uh, union hall about how, how, hall, best, sure. how best to, to let everybody know that we have had the coronavirus. And there's a big argument between sashes across our chest or armbands. Uh, we haven't decided. Oh, we haven't decided which. <laughs> Oh, and someone, sashes for someone sure. has pointed out how easy it would be to counterfeit both, you know, so I don't, mm. I don't know. Oh, I don't yeah. We're not going to do that. Hey, let me ask you something. So now can you not get it? So you're, you're like, you're one of the chosen ones now? He's not going to bring you food, Paula. I don't know if, <laughs> I don't know if there's room for serious discussion here in the chaos podcast. No, there is. Go no, ahead. There- there isn't. Well, here's here's what we have been told by a phalanx of medical people that we have since spoken to, is that it is it is still mysterious as to whether or not having the having the virus makes you immune from oh. getting the virus again. We are part of a study. We gave blood and um, uh, for them to test our antibodies. It is not known oh. if you will be immune for a while. And then get it back again if it comes, because evidently I have read of uh, people uh, being tested positive again. Oh yes. wow! And yes. Where did you give blood? Was it at a Walmart? Well, in fact, I'm going. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's where they're doing a lot of the testing is in the Walmart parking lot. Well. The the I the 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 testing is one thing. The taking of the blood for the antibody studies is actually something uh, my wife and I are going to support, um, which is a, it's a study that's coming out of UCLA right now, in which they're trying to number one. Uh, I didn't even know they had a Walmart over at UCLA. It's actually a thrifty. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you can get ice cream. Exactly, those my, square cone my, my mistake. And I'm doing my Christmas shopping early. <laughs> there you go. All right. I'm sorry I interrupted. So they're going so, to, right. uh, they are, they are, they're developing a, uh, first of all, they're developing a test um, so that they can find out first responders, healthcare workers, whatever, who may or may not have the COVID virus. Because evidently, again, I'm no scientist, so I'm just giving the numbers. It's possible that one out of four people who show no signs of having it actually are carrying it, but are just asymptomatic. Yeah, wow. I read that there's a whole lot of people who, are, who fit that description, and that's kind of scary for the people who will show symptoms eventually. If you're a fireman, if you're a cop, if you're anybody that's on the front lines, first responders, helpers, they, they are developing a test to determine whether or not they have the the virus, and they're putting in a program that hopefully will spread all over the uh, city and uh, the state and the country. Um, that will just—that's not really a good use of words when you're yeah. talking about a program to fight a virus that you're hoping the program will spread all over the. Oh, I didn't think city. about that. Do you see what I'm saying? Uh, how about He's the, hoping it goes viral. Be utilized. <laughs> 
Yeah, be utilized, I think. Look, I just, I want to be on the record here that I'm not making jokes about this. You guys are, so. That's absolutely, yeah. that's yeah. absolutely evident. You're up for that blowback all you want. I, uh, the other side of it is we gave blood so they could study our antibodies to see um, uh, if, uh, if they're strong antibodies and then if they can be used to work towards um, a possible um, vaccine. But, uh, so right, they're hoping to start clinical trials of vaccines in sept- as early as September, I think. Well, let's hope uh, sooner the better, wouldn't you say? Yeah. So that's our experience right there. That's our experience well, with well. Uh, what we what we went through. And you're both feeling fine, which was minor compared to what an awful lot of people don't. Right. Yeah, I I thought that your um the, your letter to to us in the public was great and. Uh, and it was right at the beginning of everything shutting down. And I'm not blaming you, Tom. I am. I, I, you know. I was, I, we were so far away. Uh, I mean, on the other side of the planet uh, should buy me a bit of a pass from the likes of oh. you, all the pounds. All right. Oh, yeah. oh sure. All right. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> well, y- you... Uh, you are the 60 what caller? Oh, yeah. Six, 60 second caller. 60 second uh, caller. 60 second <laughs> caller. Well, I want to I want to thank you so much, and I want to encourage you to call in again um, because there's only uh, 48 more calls. Uh, that's 38, could Paula. Be... Well, at the speed of which you guys got the calls oh, coming oh, in, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a buzz on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're, you're likely to be the 100th by then. With a Tom, good shot at being the one. No, I might be only the 80th caller by then, but if that's the case. I promise I'll recognize your voice quicker next time, Tom, and I'll, I'll probably yell at you less. No worries. <laughs> no worries at all. It, enjoy, enjoy the ongoing chaos that you create, guys. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, glad to be a part of it. And when, how do I pick up my prize? Oh, you just well, got to go, go down right the- over Go ahead, Paula. Yeah, go right over to Roger Federer's and and let him know. You know, you're the hundredth, you're the hundredth caller. They they know to expect you. And uh, when you know you haven't won yet, Adam's right. It wasn't forty eight. It was thirty eight. What's the matter with my math? But um, yeah, thirty eight, thirty eight more calls. Uh, but it could, you know, it's a roll of the dice at this point. It could, it could, you know, if you call back, you could be the hundredth caller. Did, and then he did get, solve the puzzle, though. It's worth dropping by Federer's just to see, Tom. Behind the eight ball. That's, <laughs> that's how I'm I decoded all of the subtle clues. Yeah. Okay, well, here's what you do. You go into Roger Federer's appliance store over on Miranda, sure. and you go up to the counter, and you say just that. Behind the eight ball. Yeah, do that. Cut two, me enjoying a crisp, fresh salad with good, with good, brand new ingredients. Is it <laughs> salad shooter? The salad shooter, yes. Um, be, wow. That's be aware be that fun. it's only Paula that thinks that that's Roger Federer's store. The show, if you're looking for the store, it's actually called Fetter. So I, I believe we're leaving off the extra ER for savings. Not it's not true at all. It's it's Roger Ferris. <laughs> Tom, you've you've been in there. I've right? been there. Right? Listen, I'll ask a dame. I'll ask the dame. <laughs> <laughs> She'll take me right there. To that. Matter of fact, I see her car is coming around the corner right now. So uh, oh, I gotta, go see I her. Go jump. Oh, okay. <laughs> take care, guys. 
<laughs> man, it's my lucky day. I was a I was a sixty second caller. Here's a little song of happiness I'll leave you with because I've had so much fun. <laughs> that was a long one. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, song. I bet you can taste that salad from, from this vantage point. <laughs> stay calm and stay healthy, everybody. Talk to you soon. <laughs> Take care, Tom. All right. Bye. Love you, Tom. You too. Stay healthy. Bye. <laughs> you, you know, Paula, uh, we were maybe five minutes into that bit when I started to think, that guy sounds a lot like Tom Hanks. Oh, did you really not know? I didn't know. I had no idea, at least not at first. Oh, oh my, my gosh. Did, did anybody else know? I no. You know, when he first... Came in, I thought it was Ken. Same. I Ken! Thought, I thought it yeah, was you Ken. know what? I, I got to, this is going to be one of those rare occasions where I agree with Captain Crinkle. I thought it might be Ken Lezebnik. I thought it was Ken. Ken Lezebnik? Yep. Like Ken was going to call in later, and I thought like he got the time wrong or something. And his voice sounded kind of nice in the beginning. And then, honest to God, it was so funny, like with all respect to Ken. I was like, okay, Ken can't be this funny. Oh, no, I think that's nothing but respectful to Ken. Ken can't be this funny. <laughs> wow. I, figured, I really thought, I thought you would know from the minute he talked. And I thought everybody's going to go, You're oh, the God, only one it. who knew there was a guest. <laughs> You're the only one. When he was like serious and he started talking about working with UCLA, I'm like, okay, it really is Tom Hanks. It took you that long well, I, to I, say, I, how long? I, let me ask you I, something. I got to say that I, I got it a little better than Captain Crinkle did yeah, because same. I was suspected for a couple of seconds, but I really knew it for a fact the minute he said, this is Tom Hanks. Yeah. Yeah. That confirmed Bonnie. it for me as well. Yeah, Whereas Bonnie was still skeptical. Captain Crinkle. How far into Forrest Gump were you before you realized that was Tom Hanks? <laughs> well, a good manager is a believer. I guess so. Yeah, I think you're right. Well, anyways, uh, you know what? I, I decided to make for my coworkers a little surprise. That was wonderful. And our goal of making this first segment shorter than usual tonight is... Once again, an abject failure. Uh, but as long as we're still here, um, I've got some breaking news. We are now dropping a French Trump weekly news conference. Oh, Adam Felbert! Yes, we're dropping. Adam Felbert! Let me finish my sentence, French Trump. <laughs> it is I, French Trump. I was yes. going to tell you that I have a, uh, I have a mini podcast that drops every, every, every Friday night at 5 p.m. Eastern. Coast time, whatever the fuck it's that Eastern, is. Just say Eastern time, French Trump. East, East, Eastern. It's like my press conference. It's it's the French, French Trump press conference at 5 p.m. East Coast time every Friday night. Uh, well, that's all very good information, French Trump. Uh, do you want to preview what you're Thank talking you. about this week? I don't know. Like. Like every week, I don't really know what I'm talking about. You know, it depends what questions the press asks me on the podcast. The press asks me questions, and I, I, I answer them, and then I say, enough, enough. Stop it, you lady. Stop it, you woman. I grab you by the pussy if you don't stop it. Yeah, that's the only way Adam Felbert to handle a female uh, 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 press person. We take away their press pass. Uh, 
I, I'm thinking that this week, uh, depending on the questions that are asked me, I may declare myself king. King? Yes. We. Well, you, you can't really declare yourself king under the American system of government. It's just not done. I can. People tell me I can. Who's people? I will do it. Just you wait. You listen. On Friday right, well, at 5 p.m. Eastern time. That's when it drops. You can listen anytime after that. Okay, great. Uh, well, thank you, French Trump, for uh, show, showing up to plug your own show. That's uh, that's nice of you. Uh, oh, it's, it, it's not a problem for me. That's my favorite thing to do. I think you're the second most important guest we've had on this segment tonight. Uh, why did you... <laughs> there's well, we, no, there's we, we no one more important. We just had Tom Hanks. You did not. <laughs> All right. All right, coming up, Leonard Bernstein said, conducting is like making love to 100 people at the same time. We'll talk with the man who has conducted hundreds of Broadway orchestras to their show's climaxes, Rob <laughs> Fisher. That's when we return on Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. On this day in unremarkable history, Marie Antoinette said, no kale. <laughs> Hey, Paula. You know, every once in a while we get a new advertiser that I get super excited about. And I have to say, just because of the circumstances of my life right now, I'm really excited about our new advertiser, Quince of Quince.com, the clothing provider. Not to be mistaken for Quince from Midsummer Night's Dream. And let me just say this, and maybe it's not important to an advertisement, but when I was in the fourth grade, our class put on a production of A Midsummer Night's Dream. Okay. And I played I played Peter Quince. There. There's the connection. One of the mechanicals. That's a great connection. Also, yes, has nothing to do with this, which is that um, Quince is an online clothing store. And as you know, Paula, I've, uh, I've lost a little weight lately. Oh, right. 75 pounds. Yeah. So I literally have no clothes that are in my size until I just ordered some stuff at Quince. And I figured, like, here's a chance for me to create a new look for myself. A whole new image. And how's it going? Not bad. I mean, the clothes are fantastic. I know that you ordered some too. What I got is I got yes. the Comfort Stretch Traveler five pocket pants. And I got oh. the, um, oh, it's so, and I got the 100% European linen shirt and it looks breezy and it fits beautifully. And these are like premium pieces of clothing that are selling for like, you know, $30 a piece or starting at $30 at quince.com. It's awesome. I look good. I ordered the brushed lounge jogger Ooh. and you know i put them on when i came back from new york i pulled them on and i i swear to you okay this is not scientific because i was tired already right but they were so soft <laughs> and, and so comfortable that honestly like right as i got them up to my waist i i i think my eyes closed they're so it's a softness it's a kind of softness that I don't think I've ever experienced in a garment, honestly. You know, my uh, drawstring European linen trousers are a little bit like that, too. Like, so comfortable that I just want to hang out with myself. 
Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And they're European. Keep that in mind. Uh, oh, European. they are so European. And you can get those kind of, you can get washable silk tops. You can get uh, 14 karat gold jewelry and like all these accessories. Gwen sells a lineup of timeless pieces that keep their customers looking effortlessly chic year after year. I'm not certain that I look chic, but certainly if I did, it's not going to take a lot of effort. I now look chic and I feel pretty great. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabric. It's all good as far as I can see. Is it my imagination or do they cut out the middleman? They cut out the middleman, Paula Poundstone. I love it when they cut out the middleman. That's the thing, they cut out the middleman. <laughs> That's fantastic. So be like me and Paula. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash nobody for free shipping on your order and a 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash nobody to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash nobody. Nobody. And honestly, I look fantastic. Paula, you won't be able to keep your hands off me. Oh, I can't wait. And don't <laughs> think that if you had to return something, don't think you're sending it to a middleman because they cut out the middleman. They man. cut out the middleman. That's quince.com slash nobody. And if you're going to do it anyway, use our code. Thank you, house band Kristen Lejeune. Oh, it's so good to have a violinist on the show. Uh, Paula. Yeah. How are you feeling this week about your career as a comedian? Well, do I have one? <laughs> well, that's a, it's kind of an interesting question, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, I'll tell you something. You know, Adam, I, I know that I am the luckiest person in the entire world to have even been able to do stand-up ever. But frankly, I hate the self-promotion part. You know, the, the fact that I have to say, tune in for the weekly French Trump press conference at 5 p.m. East Coast time uh, promoting myself and my products yes, like the poundstone pussy pillows which are available on my website paulapoundstone.com i just don't like doing that so sometimes i think to myself is there anything else i could do for a living well paula poundstone to answer that question welcome to career corner yes it's time for career corner where we learn about the wide world of jobs would you like to be a fireman how about a train engineer Maybe you'd like to make a living as a spot welder. What can you do with your life? Career Corner has the answer. This week, let's explore career as a Broadway orchestra conductor. And uh, thank you again, Kristen, for that lovely accompaniment. All right, Paula, here to help you discover if you could cut it in the stressful, high-stake world of conducting a Broadway pit orchestra is conductor and musical director Rob Fisher. Let me tell you a little bit about Rob. He's an internationally recognized music director, conductor, pianist, and a leading figure in American music and musical theater. He's the guy who was the founding musical director and conductor of the New York City Center Encore series, which is awesome. Uh, that earned him a Tony Award. He's made numerous recordings for encores, including the Grammy Award-winning Chicago Cat album. Let's have a big career corner welcome for Rob Fisher. Hi, Paula. <laughs> hey, Rob. Thanks so much for being here. There. I'm so, I'm so happy to be here. It's nice to reconnect with you. Yeah, nice to reconnect with you. Where are you calling from, Rob? I'm in my home in Connecticut, sequestered. It's just me and some wildlife. Um, so it's it's uh, it's been so far so good. It's a little odd, but uh, 
it's hard to imagine the next time an orchestra will let me get close enough to them to conduct them. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, so you have like the double whammy because you have to have, I mean, there's no way of doing, uh, is there? Easy, easy girl. Easy, easy. Can you conduct an orchestra like over Zoom? People have done it, but they're doing some fakey stuff because of all, you know, their time lags and various different things. Yeah. But people are actually having some music rehearsals. There is actually a Broadway workshop going on last week and this week all via Zoom. And they're doing group vocal rehearsals via Zoom. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I don't know why, because it's going to be a long time before they can ever put on a show. Well, precisely. Yeah. Um, but when life returns to normal, Rob, what I'd like to know is, you know, do I have a shot at becoming Absolutely. a musical conductor? So let me ask yeah. you this. Do you, Rob, do you have to know how to play all the instruments that you're conducting or arranging? Absolutely. Every one of them. To, like, brilliantly. No. No, you don't. <laughs> um, no, it's, uh, there, there's really no requirements. There's no license to get. There's no test. There's no, nobody's, there's nobody to ask if you can be a conductor. You just say, okay, I'm a conductor. Really? Well, that sounds great. Except that there are some skills that one should have in order to be a good conductor, oh, aren't they, should, Rob? Should, 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 yes. <laughs> and musicians, musicians are appreciative of skills, but they put up with skillless people sometimes. Oh, really? So, <laughs> yeah, you know, lack of skills does not rule you out. That's good to know. Yeah, this could be the career for me. Now, let me ask you this. When you, um, so you you don't even have to know anything. You just pick up a stick and start poking it at a musician and they'll fire up? Exactly. And I do all, all the time. I go, I've been fortunate enough to go all over the world and I do stand up in front of orchestras that don't speak English. And, and every time I raise that baton and bring it back down, I really question, are they going to play? And they always have. Wow. That's like me when I flush my toilet, um, because we have a lot of plumbing problems here. And does it always flush? Uh, no, it doesn't. Well, see, you should try conducting. But when it does, it's a pleasant uh, surprise. Are, no. there, are there instruments whose players are traditionally prickly? Oh, that's a good question. I think I have to answer with a question. Are there instrument whose players are not prickly. Oh, really? Are they all yes. a little prickly? If you know where to touch, uh -huh. they're all a little prickly. Yeah. <laughs> it's different in different sections. I Like brass players are com prickly about completely different things than string players. Talk about that a little bit. G give us some personality types with, with, with the various instruments. Ooh, let's see. Do you promise that nobody listens to Paula Poundstone? Nobody. Nobody, okay. yeah. Nobody. Um, the string players are a little more neurotic and a little jumpier. Violinists, most of all, right? Yes. Do they uh, mellow as the instruments get bigger? Not necessarily. The violas, you know, the violas are so underappreciated. Right. They're, they're just, <laughs> you don't hear much from violas. Although, <laughs> although they're the ones that go to management to complain. They never do it directly. Um, I had had violists walk off stage during a rehearsal. Oh wow! Yeah, and they're they find them 
weirdly grumpy, not, not as prickly, but just like there's a lot for them to complain about. Like what? Well, that was, there was a speaker on stage that he thought was going to get loud. <laughs> so he was going to management to say that they better not let that speaker get loud. But oh the, my music, Lord. the music is playing and I'm conducting, everybody else is playing and he's wandering off. Wow. Yeah. And was there then a big hole? Like all of a sudden did the music seem off kilter and unbalanced because you were, could you, if you hadn't seen him walk No, off, I don't think he was a very strong player, so it didn't matter much. Oh man. If you hadn't seen him walk off, you wouldn't have missed that viola. Is that correct? That is correct. Oh man. Oh. So yeah. could there be a placebo viola in every orchestra? There's been a joke about Broadway violists for years, and not a joke, but just like nobody knows what any of them sound like or if any of them can play. Nobody's ever heard them. <laughs> <laughs> and and they, they have wonderful long careers and nobody knows. So it could be a placebo section, I suppose. Oh man, this could, you know. Uh, when Maybe you want to be a violist. Rob, if you don't know how to play the instruments, then have you ever, you know, unintentionally asked anything of, say, a tubaist um, that they couldn't deliver? Uh, there was just too much. And so they, like, you know, just told you to shove it and had a, a tuba fuss. Yeah, that happened to me just last October in, in, with the Dallas Symphony. Ooh, I shouldn't be so specific, should I? With um, a symphony in a city in, in Texas. Yeah, a really excellent, long good reputation. But the thing I asked him to do was to stand for his solo. Oh. And because I'd gotten a bassoonist to stand for his solo, the audience loves to see musicians stand. And Absolutely. Loves, to know, loves to know who's doing what. Yeah. And, you know, had the tuba hit, tubaist stood, he would have been a hero. But he was, he was, and he was like, no, shove it. I'm not, you're not getting me to stand. What? No, only to take a bow. There are tubaists in New Orleans marching down the street. Yeah. Well, that's disappointing. Do you want to name that person just to call them out? You know, that's another thing. But I, I'm in and out sometimes when I'm a guest conductor, so I don't learn many names at all. Well, that's good for Paula because she's really good at not learning names. And they don't learn mine. They just call me maestro. That's why... Oh. That's it's so convenient for orchestras to just call the guy on the podium or the lady on the podium maestro, then they don't have to bother learning a name and then forgetting it. Now let's get to some of the nitty gritty. Does Paul is she going to have to learn how to read music? No, really. And I've got to be really careful how I. There is a conductor who was quite successful, who did not read music. He learned everything by ear. He'd have a pianist play it for him. He'd learn it that way. Wow. Yep. But she does have to learn the music by learning what everybody's supposed to be playing, right? That's true. Although I have seen, for a Broadway show, um, they've played it a lot, you know, and it, in a few weeks, they know it really well. And some of them just stop looking. And I've seen some incompetent people enough of them take to the podium and musicians actually say to each other, don't look, 
Don't look. Don't look. <laughs> <laughs> I've threatened to make some T-shirts that say "Don't look up" because it's such a common, common thing. This is really appealing to me as a job. Now, if I were your apprentice and you got injured for some reason and couldn't carry on, and I was your only hope to replace you for a show coming up in a week or two, what what would you tell me? What like what are the important things that you would tell me? Uh, smile at the cast. All right, smile at the cast. And um, the big thing musicians don't like, they don't like to be yelled at. Okay, don't yell um, at them. That's like the biggest thing of all. They don't want to be yelled at or made to feel bad about themselves. Because they are, for the most part, all trying to do their best all the time. Mm -hmm. And then if you really had to conduct, I'll pick Chicago because I've taught so many conductors to conduct that show. Just learn the downbeat. For, for oh, wait, 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 wait. Now we're getting into a musical term. Learn the downbeat. Yeah, learn that initial gesture to start each piece of music in the show. Okay, right. And the band will take it from there and just try not to screw them up. All right, now I know that we are limited by the fact that it's not a visual medium that I'm in, but what are some of these specific gestures? Well, I brought my baton in case you wanted to have a lesson. I'm, I'm getting your atten the attention of the band tapping on the podium. Um, the vocabulary, the basic vocabulary is pretty simple and limited. There are certain ways the pulse of music goes along that you can um, make gestures. <laughs> so you make gestures along with the pulse of the music? Yes. And you can also indicate if it's going to be loud or soft or sweet or angry or, and it's, and then there's a lot of when, now, are, am I still just like you've got two weeks and you're going on or are yeah. we getting into? I got I two weeks. Okay. So then we would just get you in front of a mirror. We get a video going and a mirror and you'd practice these gestures and I'd get you ready in two weeks and you'd, and you'd conduct Chicago. That's amazing. Yeah. I, you know, Rob, I think you are definitely the teacher for me. Um, now, <laughs> let me let me ask you this. I, I told you there's part of my job that I dislike, although the majority of my job I love. Um, but is there any part of your job that you really just do not like? Not when I'm making the music. I love, 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 love it. I even... Even dealing with the personalities that sometimes intrude on the music from some of the musicians, it's still, I don't mind negotiating all that if we end up making music. The only thing I'd say is about the Broadway lifestyle and schedule, eight shows a week where your job is to try and make it identical to the previous night because it makes everybody's life easier. All the technicians, all the actors, the dancers, they want it to be the same every time. and that's that's um, that's a challenge that's really hard for me. You know, my vocabulary song tends to be a little different on different weeks, so I I can really relate to this. Well, you know, George Gershwin said it sounds simple, of course, but personally, I can think of no more mentally arduous task than making music. Stay tuned to hear more about the mentally arduous task of conducting a Broadway orchestra with Maestro Rob Fisher. <laughs> Thank you.
The Cat of the Week is Magnus from Chevy Chase, Maryland. Hey, Paula, it's been almost a year now since I got my Helix mattress. And as you remember, there was some drama surrounding Helix mattresses. Because oh, when oh Helix gosh. first sponsored us, Bonnie took the mattress and yeah. she's been loving it. But finally, I got my chance to get a Helix mattress and I sleep so well. I mean, the family bed is where we all gather. We watch movies in, in our room occasionally and everybody just piles on it and it it's comfy. And yet when one person hops on, the other half of the mattress doesn't fly up. I'm a fan. Well, you know, Adam, everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. Models with memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief if you sleep on your side. Models with a more responsive foam to cradle your body for essential support in stomach and back sleeping positions plus enhanced cooling features to keep you from overheating at night. And if your spine needs some extra TLC, they got you. Every Helix mattress has a hybrid design combining individually wrapped steel coils in the base with premium foam layers on top. It is the perfect combination of comfort and support. I agree with that last bit. I don't get all the technical stuff about the mattress, but it is soft and supportive. Helix offers 20 unique mattresses, the award-winning Lux, which I got, and ultra-premium Elite Collections, the Helix Plus, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and the Helix Kids mattress designed for growing bodies and endorsed by child sleep experts, and my daughter now wants one. So, how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You go to their website, take the Helix Sleep Quiz, and you find your perfect mattress batch in under two minutes you know when you said you can't follow all the technical stuff it's really not that technical you know uh no matter what way you sleep they have a mattress that will support and comfort you how hard is that uh, you know when you say it that way it seems a lot simpler i take it back that's my boner <laughs> and your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door free of charge and helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home that's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Well, I like that there's a warranty, but they can pry that mattress with my cold, dead hands. I took the sleep quiz. I was matched with the Helix Midnight Lux. I got the Lux, and I love it. It is such an upgrade from my old mattress. You know, I think Bonnie got the Midnight Lux. She did. Too. Yeah. You're not here. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to take Adam's word for it? Well, you got Bonnie's word. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Your Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. That's a lot, and it's already not that expensive a mattress. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet. It's fantastic. It won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Well, not right now. And if you're going to get it anyway, use our code. All right, everybody. Thank you. We are back with conductor Rob Fisher. Rob, is there something that you say to musicians like, 
before the show begins? Like, is there like a, a Newt Rockney locker room speech moment or a Harold Hill with the boys band moment? Um, there are people that do that. It's not really uh, looked kindly upon by musicians. <laughs> <laughs> musicians don't really want to hear what you have to say. They would like, <laughs> let's, let's make music. Let's get on with it. Let's get. So I, I try to do, if it's a rehearsal, I do try to do a pleasant good morning and I'm happy to be here sort of thing. But, but you don't spend 20 to 25 minutes telling them a story about what happened with your cats this morning. No, nor do I tell them 20 or 25 minutes about what the composer was thinking when he wrote the piece. They'd be interested in maybe 30 seconds of that, but they really want to play. Uh-huh. Got that, Paula? Yeah. And I've heard, I've heard so <laughs> many musicians for so many years complain about, I couldn't believe how much he talked today. Or I couldn't believe, he ne- we never got around to playing. We didn't get to play the whole piece because he talked too much. That's <laughs> one of the biggest complaints I ever hear is like conductors who talk too much. So I don't say much. I really don't say much. This is going to be the challenging part of the job for Paula. Yeah. No, I can make this adjustment. I, I can do it. I, can, I feel good about this. You one. can do it. Okay. I'm going to teach you to put all your communication into your baton, and you'll get to speak so well with your baton, you won't need words. Oh, I love that. I, I love that. Okay. Have you ever been playing in like a, a horn fucked up somehow, and then you made an example of them? Do you shame during conducting? You never shame. Oh, never it's, shame. All right, I'll keep that in You mind. never shame. And it's interesting that if if the first trumpet player does have a big old clam, yeah. Yeah. There's no there's everybody in the building knows it. The audience knows it, everybody in the band knows it, everybody on stage knows it. They can't it's hide not, like the viola. It's not at all like that. And what's remarkable about musicians is they will look as far from that direction as possible in a blink of an eye. And I've trained myself to look in the opposite direction from wherever the clam came. And your instinct is to like, oh my God, what was that? And turn in that direction. That's one of the things to train yourself to do is when you hear a big, bad, wrong note, look away, Uh look down, turn the page, do anything. It's sort of like socially, if someone has gas. I was thinking the same thing. It's a fart. Yeah, but it's the loudest, longest fart, you know, <laughs> and you can't pretend like it's the guy next to you. Everybody knows who's playing that instrument. Yeah. Oh, right. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You can't foist the blame off on your dog. Yeah. You can't do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, you're active in conducting two very different kinds of music, which is the Broadway show and the symphony orchestra. Do you want to talk about the difference between those uh those two things because Paula could just as easily be conducting a symphony orchestra. I think. I think that it would need to be in repertoire. They know, but I had a friend um, who's a famous American conductor and he was conducting a famous European orchestra at Carnegie hall last year. And they were playing a piece they'd played many times and he stopped them midway through the first movement and just simply said to them, could I be involved? Because they weren't paying <laughs> at all. So not during you, the show. No, this was at their rehearsal. Yeah. Um, 
And then they did let him in and let him have some input. But you could go in front of a big European orchestra and do Brahms one and be fine because they're not going to look at you. Uh, All right. That's important. Um, But the difference, there's amazing players in both kinds of orchestras. So the level of musicianship is very similar. Um, But it's that repeating something eight times a week thing. Right. Yeah. And then maintaining a positive frame of mind and interest and presence in what's going on. When you're doing something once or twice and that's it, everybody is so extremely present and available and tuned in. And, um, but when you're doing it the 5,000th time, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's asking a lot. That reminds me of something I wanted to tell you guys that's so cool about communicating with an orchestra that I experiment with constantly, every orchestra I ever go to, because they are looking at me peripherally, you know, they're looking at their music stands and they're in symphony orchestras, especially they're super fussy about how they're sitting and what they see and how they see. And the strings need to see the concert master so they can see what his bow is doing. And everybody needs to see me without being um, anything interfering. But, you know, if you look at them, they look like they're looking at their music. So I will take my eyes without moving my head, but, take my eyes and look at, pick a person and look at them and they immediately can look up. Oh, interesting. Wow. That's how good their peripheral gets, that they see the movement of my eyes in their periphery. That is crazy. It's crazy. And I do it all the time and it always is true in every every language. (laughs) Now, if you do it to the strings, do they start to get defensive because of their neuroses? If, yeah, if they do, they're like, why, why are you picking at me? Why are you, why, why are you looking at me? Because I'm just sitting in the section. It makes them anxious. Like, why, why, what's going on? Why are you looking at me? <laughs> um, that's a very good, very good call, Paula. Rob, I have another question for you. As a conductor, um, when did you make your peace with spit valves? Ah. Oh. Their spit valves are far enough away from, they're usually toward the back of the orchestra. So, so disgusting. Usually, I hear any of that, the grotesque sounds that come from back there. Yeah. And most uh, horn players and brass players know when to release some of that spit. Um, You do hear occasional, or somebody will drop a part of one of those instruments. And sometimes you'll hear a gurgle you wished you hadn't. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly that they're, they're pretty good about that. They drop mutes all the time. You hear a lot of um, mutes hitting the floor back from the. That's ironic. The brass. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I don't realize just how ironic that is. And I'm going to use that Paula Poundstone. <laughs> the brass players. They're called Fantastic. mutes for a reason. You're, you've given them some patter, Paula. Careful, you don't want to shame those brats. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't want to shame them, right? Uh, oh my gosh, this is... Uh, <laughs> this is very helpful. It really is, uh, Rob. I, I feel I feel ready. I feel ready. All right. Well, in that case, thank, thank you, Rob, for conducting Paula through the education she needs to lead a Broadway orchestra. What we're going to do now is we're going to find out from Paula, Paula, what have you learned about conducting an orchestra and could you do the job? Okay, house band Kristen Lejeune, if I could have a little background music, I'd appreciate it. Thank you so much. 
I'm so glad Rob gave me a heads up about orchestras not liking locker room speeches because I would have fallen into that well right off the bat. I already had a speech prepared for my first conducting job. If I could have your attention, please, everybody, everybody, tonight we're going to play West Side Story. It's my first conducting job, and it might be my last because don't tell anyone, but hey, hey, can you horns give it a rest with your spit (laughs) valves? I heard that splat. God, that's gross. Do you see how nicely the violas are sitting? And they're not even playing in this. No violins. I wasn't looking at you. Jeez, you're sensitive. Timpani, I know you don't get to play often, so let's practice not playing now. I want you to play tonight, you guys, like you've never played before. If you can't do it for the audience, do it for Tony and Maria (laughs) and Action and Pops and all the jets and sharks. And if you can't do it for them, do it for me. Because my dog dropped a huge bone on my head this morning, and everything looks blurry to me now. Plus, I'm forgetting things. So let's get out there and play. (laughs) He's an internationally acclaimed music director, conductor, and pianist, Rob Fisher. Thank you for being on our show. It was a pleasure, man. Thank you, Rob. Rob, everybody. All right. Wow, that was fun. This show has been astounding so far between Rob Fisher and whoever that other guy was earlier. Hey, Paula, you're not going to be on the road. Yeah. This week. No, not this week. Yeah, so I guess you get out of the part of the job you really hate, the self-promotion. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But my uh, store is open. My store at paulapoundstone.com. You can find pussy pillows, T-shirts, and my book, The Totally Unsigned Scientific Study of the Search for Human Happiness, now in paperback, and my Butterfinger single, Not My Butterfinger, and the ringtone are now both available for download, also at paulapoundstone.com. The ringtone is available at paulapoundstone.com? It is. I would love to hear from listeners who have downloaded the ringtone that so confounded Bonnie Burns. But she oh. finally got it up there. I would love she to know how many up. people have bought it. Oh, yeah. Captain Captain Crinkle has worked wonders with this store. Yes. Thank you, Captain <laughs> Thank Crinkle. Thank you, Captain Crinkle. All right. Uh, coming up, Quarantine Corner, the first grade edition. That's coming up right after this. We're back. Thank you so much, house band Kristen Lejeune. You know, it's great getting to know these nobodies and the way that they express themselves musically. Oh, they're they're terrific. A- Adam, 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 answer the phone. Really? Yeah, answer I, the I, phone, I, I Adam. I feel like it's going to be an anticlimax, but uh, no, I will. No, answer the phone. All right. Um, Hello? Adam, am I the husband yes. of Cola? Uh, no, I believe you're the uh, 63rd or 4th caller. We'll check our records. Oh, I'm so close. I'm calling because, of course, we cannot be close to one another with your arm around my tender shoulder because of the social distancing order. <laughs> it's me, Winnie Rose Feynman. So Winnie Feynman. Um... Yes, 
Instead, I am uh, calling to rehearse some more of Love Text, the original play that I have written for us to perform at the Herschel Bernardi Theater when the social distancing is over. <laughs> okay, now let's uh, let's rewind a little bit, um, uh, Winnie. Um, I never agreed to do love letters, and even had I signed to do love letters, now we're doing something called love texts? Yes, that's right. Because <laughs> I was unable to get the licensing for love letters, and so I have written an original work, love texts. We've begun rehearsing already. Remember, you are Lance, and I am Virginia. Um, okay, but uh, Winnie, in point of fact, I don't have that script here. I'll help you. Okay, here, Okay. Where? you are longing for me, but I am not interested. Oh, so then you, just hang up. So you begin. YOLO, you only live once, Virginia. <laughs> I-W-Y... W-H, wish you were here. Shall I sext you a P-O-M-D, picture of my dick? <laughs> then I, Virginia, Wait, 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 wait. Okay, go ahead. Then I, Virginia, say, LOL, Lance. I didn't know you were RFO, running for office. I'm... Oh, that's, that's clever. I'm SMH right now, shaking my head. Don't you understand? I'm TBWMBC. Too busy with my badminton club to care about making love to you now. So work on that, Adam. Winnie, if yes. I'm not mistaken, you're asking my character to text you that I... I want to send you a picture of my dick. It's your character, Adam. You're Lance and I'm Virginia. I'm it's, uncomfortable with this, Winnie. It's not what you would do, Adam. Every time, I don't think Robert De Niro has ever killed anybody, but he does it all the time. You're an actor. You're an actor. No, I understand acting, Winnie, but I, it feels like you're trying to enact one some fantasy of yours in this play that you want me to do that I've, in fact, not agreed to do. Adam, I don't want you to send me a picture of your dick in real life, just so you know. I'm not but going to. Perfect. Okay, <laughs> I have to go now. If you could just work on your lines, that would be really, really helpful. Um, okay. I'm Bye, just going to say okay. Bye. Jesus Christ. Bush, she is quite a writer. She's really... That is some powerful. I don't, powerful. I don't know about that, Paula. She's she invented some internet argot that doesn't exist. That's some like powerful anybody, dialogue, Adam. That's some uh, that's some powerful dialogue. I'd put that I, up. I got to say, it's not the best caller we've had tonight. I would put that up against David Mamet any day. <laughs> you know what? Weirdly, I agree with you on that one, Paula. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, you know what, Paula? It's time now for Quarantine Corner. Yeah, quarantine corner. Or, or I guess I guess in your mind it would be stay at home corner. Yeah, well, it's yeah, no, we call it quarantine corner. It just, you know, because sounds If you funny. remember at the beginning of the show I I called it quarantine and you stickled heavily. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know what? But now, point of if fact, I I'm realizing do... that we have a segment of our show called Quarantine Corner. No, that's a good. That's a good point. Uh, if I ever do another comedy album, I'm calling it "I Stickled Heavily." <laughs> All right. Well, we know that schools are closed and parents have been pressed into service as teachers. Having trouble homeschooling your kids? We're here to offer expert pedagogical, pedagogical. Oh my God! We're here to offer expert pedagogical help today. First grade, um, Paula. Before we even ask you to tell you uh, something you remember from first grade, I want to announce that we have yet another special guest on our show. We do. Our, uh, our resident scribe. He's often not here uh, for tapings because he's been off in New York teaching and stuff. Ken Lezebnik is on the program. Welcome, Ken. Ken Great Lezebnik. to be here. Thank you. So Thank good you. to have you. Well, Ken, this is the section of the show. This is Quarantine Corner. And what we've been doing for a little while now is while parents are, are trying to homeschool their kids and they're running out of curriculum, what we're doing is saving the entire family time by telling the children everything we remember in this case uh, that we learned in the first grade. Very good. And then they can kick back. They don't need any more. There's enough of us. That's a huge education. So uh, do you remember your first grade experience, Ken? Here's what I remember about first grade. The first grade teacher was this tyrannical old battle axe named Mrs. Lockridge. <laughs> and I had been happily in kindergarten with the wonderful Mrs. Guy for about three weeks when for some reason, and I remember the only thing I remember about kindergarten was running around the room pretending that I was an airplane um, very happy. And then for some reason, they promoted me to first grade. And all of a sudden, I was with this terrifying battle axe. And so <laughs> this is what I learned in first grade was terror. So I think that's that's the homeschooling lesson. If you can, if you can teach your kids terror, then that's what you learn in first grade. Oh, boy, this is really going to be helpful yeah. for some parents. Um, so you just <laughs> pretended you were an airplane? You ran around pretending to be an airplane? And that's all it took? That's wow. all it took. Wow. Because that doesn't seem that doesn't seem above grade level for <laughs> kindergarten to me to pretend you're an airplane. It seems to be a fair, maybe... it doesn't seem below grade level for first grade. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, was there was there more to it, Ken? Did you did you say stuff like, you know, prepare for cross-check? <laughs> I think I was just making the airplane engine noise, the kind of... Wow. You know, that thing. Oh, that, that sounds like a propeller plane, Ken. Propeller, yeah. It was a propeller plane. I'm old, you know. <laughs> okay, but did you know it was a propeller plane then? Did you say, I'm turning my propellers? <laughs> yeah, I know I may have been inspired by Snoopy. You know, the World War oh, One flying yes. ace. Oh, wow. Sure. Wow. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, now, Paula Poundstone, what do you remember from first grade? Here's what I remember from the first grade. I remember, you know, my teacher was Miss Chance. And I remember when she was teaching phonics, she was teaching us the letter P, which, of course, I was particularly excited about. And she said, uh, when you pronounce the letter P, she said, you go, she said, you don't go, uh -huh. she says, you don't go, you say, pig, not pig. And right. I, I have never forgotten that. That was, of all 
my education. That's probably gotten me the furthest. Wow. Um, it's, <laughs> it's good advice for your later radio and podcasting career. Exactly. Because audio I, I, engineers forgive, are forgive driven me. mad by the, uh, by the plosive P's. If I hadn't known, then I would have a podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it would be Paula Poundstone's podcast. Precisely. Uh, Tony, what about you? Me? Okay, so um, Mr. Dickens was my first grade teacher. Oh, my God. I uh, love his lovely. work. <laughs> yeah, no, he's great. He's great. Um, I actually went to Catholic school. So I remember religion classes probably the most. Um, and so I remember that Palm Sunday is when Jesus came to Jerusalem and everyone was happy. And then four days later on Good Friday, they, they crucified him. Yeah, he really lost that room quickly. <laughs> he did. I remember that very vividly and being very upset. Well, yeah. yeah, sure. That's first grade curriculum right there. That's what that is. The- Absolutely. Yeah, the murder of a, a man, you know, what's interesting is Ken was a little young to hear that story at the time, but all he had to do was make an airplane noise. And they said, Right, he got you know, kicked up to senior year of high school. Right, they said, move, move him up a grade and let him, let him hear about the murder thing. That's- <laughs> all right, now, uh, this is uh, a part of the show that I always dread, but... Um, <laughs> Bonnie Burns. I love this part. It's I, I, I know you do, Tony. I know you do. Bless your heart. Bonnie well, Burns, Captain Crinkle, what do you remember from first grade? Let me just point out, you guys, that so far, Bonnie Burns, Captain Crinkle, because we've done eighth grade uh, science, I believe it was, and uh, I don't know, sixth grade English, I think it was. And Probably. Bonnie Burns didn't do the assignment correctly either time. Instead, no, no. What what happened was she just um she started talking about herself in sixth grade, and then I guess she like Googled a lot of shit. Yeah, she Googled uh, yeah. like sixth grade curriculum and pretended yeah. that she had held this in her mind all this time. So and it uh, fooled I, nobody. No, nobody, yeah. nobody fell for that. So she assures us that this time she's going to do it correctly. She's, She's Uh, going to do only one sentence. So, Bonnie, go ahead. I didn't say one sentence. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, Bonnie, what do you remember learning in first grade? Okay. I remember how hard it was to get my little fingers around that big, fat yellow pencil. (laughs) 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 Okay. What were they using? I mean, what? How big was the pencil? Your fingers couldn't have been that small. What do you? I understand. Okay. How, remember, it was a big fat yellow pencil. Were you going then, to clown school? No. Is <laughs> <laughs> it an amusing prop pencil? Yeah. And then they had the big, wide line paper. Yeah. And I like learning how to, you know, write the letters of the alphabet in those. Sure. So this is a happy memory. Um, so you were using. But I have one more. You, were you? Is it, were you using? I just you know I remember that we had bigger pencils in the first grade so that you could grip them better. I don't remember that I couldn't get my fingers around them. I mean that's the part. Were you using some of the props from Honey I Shrunk the Kids? Yeah, no. She was using. She went to a school. It was novelty pencils. 
Bonnie, <laughs> Bonnie, I just want to point out, I'm glad that you have another one because that's not a that's not something you learned in first grade. It's something you remember from first grade. She went to Barnum and Bailey Elementary School. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm not saying my next one. Okay. You have no, to. Let me ask you this. I feel like it's gonna fall flat. No, let me ask you this. Bonnie, do you remember how hard it was to get up on the unicycle and the wire? Do you remember that? <laughs> Bonnie, I do hope you have another one because again, uh, that's not something you learned. That's a memory. It doesn't help our kids out there. What else have you, do you remember learning? No, in but first it's grade? the closest she's okay, come to doing one. it correctly. No, Close. okay. Here's what it is. I remembered how to put my hand down and trace around my fingers so that I had a hand on the piece of paper. How's that? That's okay. That's something that's important. You know what I can't figure out is if the pencil was so large that you couldn't get your fingers around it, how could you possibly get it in and out of the fingers of your other hand to trace? That's right. This story doesn't add up. Bonnie Burns. Liar. <laughs> again, again, she's Googled uh, first grade art projects and tried to make it her own. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And um, blessedly moving on, here's what I remember from first grade. And this is absolutely true. I learned in first grade that even though you're at your desk and it feels very private, people can see you. And the way I learned this is that periodically Mrs. Drexler would call out kids around the room. And it was usually about nose picking. So she'd say, oh, yeah. ah, Stephen, ah, Stephen, stop picking your nose. And I'd be like, wow, she was somehow able to see Stephen. Yeah. And, and like, it, it didn't strike me that she could also see me until one day when she yelled, ah, Adam, stop picking your nose. <laughs> Yuck. This is... <laughs> You criticize my story? It's something I learned, Bonnie. I think this is very, yeah. You know what? Um, we had uh, Mrs. Werner used to be very, uh, very cruel to kids. You know, you have an itch in your nose. Honestly, it's the wisest thing in the world to do as a child. Right, I was just scratching it. I was just right. scratching it. <laughs> I. That's why... When I was in the first grade, I learned to stick my head inside the little shelf in my desk. <laughs> so I was never accused of nose picking, but the teacher did often say, Pop Pons, don't get your head out of that desk. <laughs> That's better. That's better. Every, everybody always laughed at whoever was called out by Mrs. Drexler. Oh, oh, that's just that's just cruel. Um, I was, right, although so, I loved Mrs. Drexler. If you're if you're a listener now, Mrs. Drexler, still love you. Uh, Adam, Mrs. Drexler isn't listening right now. <laughs> I, I honestly think she might be, Paula. And by the way, we're not all together. So if your nose is itching, have at it. Um, oh, I bet. <laughs> All right. Well, Let's remember I want to that thank hand our entire cast. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I want Adam. to thank the whole cast. If you're out there right now, everybody, I, I can't imagine what else your first grader might need. 
No, I think that's that's it. Right on to that the second grade, kids. Yeah. So if, if there's a first grader listening without, you know, listening with your parents right now, just turn to them and say, like, no more of this computer crap. I'm ready for the second grade. Absolutely. And, uh, and, and if you happen to be a first grader out there with freakishly tiny hands, I want you <laughs> I want you to know on behalf of Bonnie Burns as a shining example, kids, it gets better. Yeah. You know what you can do, kids? Uh, the freakishly tiny hand children uh, that are in the first grade, you know, go, go if you can, if you can, remember to stay six feet away from other people. But, you know, go to a large bamboo tree and just practice wrapping your hands around it. Uh, your, your, your tiny, <laughs> tiny little hands. And also, you know, if you're experiencing what Bonnie did, maybe clown school isn't for you. <laughs> yeah, right. and, and, and kids, if you want to skip second grade, just pretend to be a submarine. <laughs> All right. We'll be back wow. with more Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone after this. Fun fact, it was not until the 1980s that Norway introduced the concept of salmon sushi to Japan. The Japanese were amazed, while every bear on Earth was like, well, duh. <laughs> Okay, Adam. we're back. Yeah, Adam, yes. Answer what? the phone. Really? Yeah, please. Okay. We're winding down, but um, hello. Adam, you didn't mention yeah. it's it's me, Woody Rose Fine, but am I the hundredth caller? You're not. Your caller, I'm gonna say sixty-four. Oh I really I can, lost count. <laughs> I can taste it. I'm so close. Uh, Adam, you didn't mention if you got what I sent you when we last spoke. Um, I, well, I wouldn't mention it because I don't think I've received anything, Winnie. What did you send me? A weather, Winnie. A what? <laughs> a weather, Winnie. It's a postcard with a fabric applique of me in a pink dress. And you put it in your window. And if it rains, my dress turns purple. <laughs> what? It's a weather winnie, Adam. It's a weather winnie. It's How a, does the dress a, turn purple when it rains? In your window, when it rains, my, my, my dress turns from pink to purple. You didn't wow. get it? Uh, it didn't come in the mail? I, I guess not, Winnie. Uh, part of the reason is I don't think I've ever told you my address. Oh, no, I have your address. Well, because I'm not receiving any of these things. I, I haven't received that crock pot that you sent. I haven't received my uh, copy my of your script. That crock pot back, Adam. She's very upset with you. I've never seen the crock pot, Winnie. Yes, you did. You you said that you had used it and you made a delicious soup. And my mother, especially during this difficult time, my mother would like to have delicious soup. She's very upset. I'm talking to him now. She really wants uh, the crock pot back, Adam. Can I right, can I, I talk to, to her, Winnie? Okay. No, not right now. She's she's really upset. 
Okay, so am I. All right. Uh, I'll nice talk talking to you, Winnie. Later. I look forward to oh. our rehearsals. I okay. Thanks, Winnie. Bye, Adam. <laughs> Bye. All right, everybody. Uh, Boy, yeah, oh. she. You know, a weather Winnie Adam could be a really helpful thing for you to have because you'll know when it's raining. Uh, but but if one goes to the window, one can see quite clearly whether it's raining or not. Well, if you have, you know what, you know what, if you have your weather Winnie, it's backup. Right. Yeah, Paula, I don't feel comfortable having any homemade effigies of Winnie Rose Feynman <laughs> in, in my house. I just, you know I, what, <laughs> it would make it would make her so happy. You know what, Adam? Answer the phone. Answer. An, what? An, answer. Answer the phone. Oh come on. Hello, Adam. Hi. Yes. It's me, Cher Eva. And uh, by the way, am I the hundredth caller? No, I'm going to go with uh, sixty-nine, maybe. I knew it. I knew it. No, probably I, sixty-five. Adam, Adam, it's. I think it is sixty. It's sixty-five. Yes, it is. It's 65. Adam, I'm calling you with urgent information about your cat, Moonbeam. Oh, you, you know, remembered my cat's name, yes. She wa I know your cat's name, Adam. She wanders the neighborhood, and she has developed a disturbing feeling of jealousy of your neighbors. <laughs> what? Adam, is there a house three doors down on the left across the street? No. I think there is. I think no. there is. No, I live there, on a corner. I, well, right. I guess uh, if, if you, you cross the street and then go three doors down, sure. Exactly. I knew it. I knew it. Well, they well, have they have a Samsung 292-inch television screen, and Moonbeam really wants one. And I'm so worried because it's eating her alive. Really? Yes. Uh -huh. And she watches Fox on it. Fox? <laughs> Do you mean the Fox Network or Fox News? The Fox News, Adam. She really wants fair and balanced news. Uh, sure, Eva, I am not putting on Fox News for my cat. That's just I not going to happen. It. I knew okay. it. Okay. Um, listen, Cher, can I say a couple of things here? Yeah. I am unconvinced that 292 inches is indeed a measurement that samsung uses it that is, sounds uh, that sounds on the big is. side no, okay it's not it's not adam yes ask moonbeam i've got my cat right next to me right now i knew it i knew okay. it okay <laughs> but adam you aren't able to communicate with moonbeam the way that i am you know what i would think that you would want to sponsor me so I can continue my work. Does Moonbeam have a have a bank account? Well, of course not. I knew it. I knew it. $200, $200 a month. You can have the Sherry of a I Knew It t-shirt that I'm wearing right now. Um, oh, that very t-shirt? No, this is an example. Can you okay. see it? <laughs> no. I knew it. I knew it. Adam, I have to go. I have so many animals to talk to. Okay, you go talk to some animals. I'm going to go talk to my friend Paula. Okay. Your dog is a little irked as well. 
Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, my God. Ooh, well, boy. I think that one really topped Tom Hanks, didn't it? She loves you. She really wants yeah. your support. All right, everybody. <laughs> Nobody's. You can email us at nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. We're still looking for theme songs, vocabulary songs, and those handy show descriptions that appear on the paulapoundstone.com splash page when you visit. Yeah. If you send us a brief but compelling description of our show, we can post it at the at the top of the homepage of my website, paulapoundstone.com. That is up. It is up. It is up, and you can find me and Adam on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. That's our show. Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone is hosted by Paula Poundstone, and yours truly, Adam Lefelber. Produced by Paula Poundstone, Adam Felber, Bonnie Burns, Ken Lezebnik, and Tony Anita Hull. Mixing by Michael Hoagie. Special thanks to tonight's house band, Nobody, Kristen Lejeune. And thanks to our guest, Rob Fisher, and our special guest, Tom Hanks, who called in for some reason. Starburns production by Land Romo. Technical direction by Jessica Gutierrez. Transcription services for the show provided by TranscribeMe, a premier internationally used transcription service. Use code Paula Poundstone when placing your order at transcribeme.com to receive an expedited service. That's our show for tonight. Won't somebody please listen to me? You know, Adam, um, uh... Tom Hanks has been um, yes. going to share Eva for her psychic work. Has he? Yeah, for quite oh, a while. He didn't, he didn't mention that when he was on our show. Well, no, it's not. he's not a guy who talks a lot about what he does. You, you could have told me he was going to call. I feel like I treated him quite harshly. You didn't know it was him? I honestly did not. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what's weird? Sherry even what? knew. God damn it, Paula. Sherry even knew. Yeah. Yeah. I knew it. I knew it. Um. <laughs> Starbands Audio. A podcast. <clears throat> A podcast network.